Double, double toil and trouble. Fire burn and cauldron bubble. Fillet of a fenny snake in the cauldron boil and bake. Eye of newt and toe of frog, wool of bat and tongue of dog. Adder's fork and blindworm's sting. Lizard's leg and owlet's wing. For the charm of powerful trouble, like a hell broth boil and bubble. Double, double toil and trouble. Fire burn and cauldron bubble. Cool it with a baboon's blood, and then the charm is firm and good. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. Open locks, whoever knocks. Enter Macbeth. How now, you secret black and midnight hags? What is't you do? Answered in the voice of Steve Bannon. A deed without a name. Hooray, hurrah, once again, the smartest man in the world, Proofcast takes to the ether, here from the salubrious confines of Bellingham's most enchanting comedy confabulation, the Upfront Comedy Club, located in the gracious parking lot district of Bellingham, Washington, where recreational marijuana is available at popular prices at many places. Uh, I hope the crowd has availed themselves of that because it makes the show an unforgettable experience. Have I mentioned that uh, recreational marijuana is available here? (laughs) I always forget if I do. Uh, Yeah, we're back in Bellingham for the billionth time. I want to thank Ryan Stiles for letting me use his playground here tonight. Of course, Ryan's the tall one. Um, He's not at the show tonight because he's very, very busy. Um, But... You know, football games don't watch themselves. That's the funny thing. They really don't. Someone has to watch them. Uh, and I know uh, Ryan's uh, on his knees right now watching the game, uh, taking a knee, and uh, I think that's beautiful. It's uh, exciting to be back here in Bellingham, the city where trains really never stop running. <laughs> now, those of you listening within the sound of my voice in Proopcast land, this is an awesome time to light one up or mix an elixir or uh, carve a jack-o'-lantern or tear into a, uh, one of those weird bunnies that are made out of that weird foam. Oh, that's the wrong holiday. Maybe you've kept one since Easter because you're built that way, and now you're eating its eyes out. And, uh, or the peeps, the little peeps, those are the, the, the yellow peeps that are, what are they? And why does the grass stick to them? And then you eat one and you get a big pl- chunk of that plastic grass, and then you're like, oh God, did I swallow that? Because this is going to take a while. When I was little, we would go out trick-or-treating, and my mother made me a ghost costume one year. And it had a very pointy head, and it was pointed out to me that I looked like I was a member of the Junior Ku Klux Klan, (laughs) at which I bummed out because I didn't know who they were at that point. Uh, uh, So I had my mother modify the top of it. So instead of it being a weird, conical Spanish, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen in Spain when they walk down the Sierpas in southern Spain, they wear these weird conical hats. Uh, It was kind of a sawed-off conical hat that had been rounded. So now I was a ghost, but clearly something awful had happened to me in life. And I was paying for it as a nine-year-old walking through the streets of San Carlos, California with a grocery bag that I had decorated with a jack-o'-lantern with crayons at the house because that's what we did in those fucking days. You overprivileged bags of fucking effluvium. You are as the lilies of the field. You toil not, neither do you spin. You know nothing of making your own paper bag, uh, Halloween bag, and drawing a fucking cat on it or whatever. You probably go buy one or you have a plastic one. Do we, does anyone even go out? In Bellingham, I assume people go out and trick-or-treat because this is a nice town full of white people and shit. There's like one homeless guy and it's only because his house is small. And this isn't like the urban sprawl. This isn't like Seattle where you can score heroin on your way to get coffee. 
Really? There's discussion now? All right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Come on, Bellingham, work with me on this. So I assume people still go out and trick-or-treat here. Uh, they did when I was little, and uh, my favorite year was uh, uh, me and two other cats went out dressed as uh, devils, and one was younger. Th- they were both a little younger than me. I guess I was about 11 or 12, and they were like, like 10 and 9 or whatever. And we all had different devil outfits, and that one I loved, except that it was a big rubber mask, and these are the 70s technology, so it was a rubber mask like Lon Chaney wore in the fucking movie, right? So it weighed approximately 5 million pounds, and there was no air holes in it at all. It was like you were a Mexican wrestler, just this horrible, confining, terrible rubber thing. And I've worn glasses since I was but a pup, and uh, because of my innate intelligence and sensitivity, not because my eyes are weak. And... Uh, because of my, uh, 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 my, the need to focus my intellect via the glasses, like Fearless Fly, uh, I had to wear the mask over them, right? Because you can't fucking put a pair of, in those days, horn rims over a, a giant rubber mask. So the whole night I saw nothing. Because it was just a steam bath in the fucking mask. Uh, my glasses were, I was rubbing them the whole time, and then, of course, that's the wrong side, and then you reach inside, and you're like, fuck, I'm fucking up the devil thing, because the devil doesn't reach inside and wipe off. But it gave me a bizarre, misty-eyed platinum contact lens look for every door that I went to. So there was that uh, element of mysticism. (laughs) San Carlos isn't that scary of a place uh, where I grew up, a very small white community. Don't let the smooth name fool you. Uh, Vestiges of our Spanish heritage were everywhere. One but had to only trip through a vacant lot to find an empty Taco Bell wrapper. Uh, uh, Our town was so white that our Catholic school in the town of San Carlos was named St. Charles. Try that on. The town's called St. Charles in Spanish, San Carlos. But they named the Catholic school St. Charles to avoid confusion with a lot of the Spanish grandees who were attending high school during the 70s when I was there. Uh, I'm trying to think of the scariest place I've ever been. I've been to some awful places. I've never been to like a terrible concentration camp or anything like that. I have uh, no interest, really. The, the ghetto in Prague was pretty goddamn spooky, where the golem lives, right? The golem is this uh, statue that the Jews activate to avenge themselves against terrible anti-Semitic slights, and it lives in an attic in a, in a synagogue, and laugh all you like, monkey children. <laughs> serious, scary, fucking Jewish shit. And uh, the golem activates and comes to life and then wipes out oppressors and shit. Uh, there's a bunch of silent movie versions of it that are pretty wild. Yes, it's called The Golem, G-O-L-E-M, not The Golem. It doesn't go, precious. Um, <laughs> and uh, there was a, 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 a cemetery there. And then, of course, the list of all the, ex, uh, the deportees on the wall. That was pretty awful. But that's not spooky like going to the old Harker place. I always wanted my Halloween to be like... Uh, um, Judy Garland, or, or is it a, uh, um, what's her name, the little girl in uh, Meet Me in St. Louis? Um, help me. No, it's not Shirley Temple. Yes, Margaret O'Brien. Thank you very much. Uh, Margaret O'Brien goes out and trick-or-treats with the older kids, and they go to the meanest guy in the neighborhood's house who looks like a pug and has a bulldog, right? He's, he's like Mr. Cap- what, what distinguishes him and makes him scary in the premise of uh, keeping in line with all Hollywood movies is he's vaguely foreign, Therefore, scary and a threat to the neighborhood. And he's found in his home, get this, reading. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. So you can see how America is being shaken to its very fucking core. 
uh, he's reading inside with his dog and, uh, and his wife. I think he's like Mr. Kopinski or something. And they knock on the door, and she's titty, and she's dressed as like a little hobo. And they throw flour in his face when he answers the door. And that means you killed him. And then she runs back, and she's like, I killed him. I killed Mr. Kopinski. And they build an enormous bonfire, a bunch of unsupersized, unsupersized, <laughs> a bunch of uncircumcised, a bunch of uncircumscribed, uh, no circumspection in the entire group. Uh, they, a bunch of unsupervised uh, children light a giant bonfire. This was supposed to be America at the turn of the century. Not the last one, but the, you know, the other one. And, uh, and then they have this enormous bonfire and run around and like throw a flower in people's faces. And it was like, we didn't do that in San Carlos. If, if the worst thing that would happen is a, a car would go by with teenagers in it and they'd throw eggs at you or whatever. That was considered super fucking hijinks. Uh, but this is in the days when people would actually like toilet paper someone's house, which was considered some sort I don't know what that was, like weird existential white people fucking thing. <laughs> and they would kidnap you on your birthday. I remember being in my pajamas in my bed and being kidnapped. A group of teenagers was ushered into my room and I was taken from my bed to a coffee shop where I was to eat in my pajamas, you see. Did anyone ever do this in high school? Why do I feel like Matthew McConaughey in that fucking shitty high school movie? What's that one called? Dazed and Confused? It had nothing to do with high school in the 70s. I attended high school in the 70s. Of course, I didn't attend it in, like, bumfuck Texas or wherever that movie takes place. They're, like, spanking each other and shit like that. Like, get off it. We weren't that late in San Carlos. We were too close to San Francisco. We had a musical department. You know what I mean? All right, Bellingham, we're going to have to stop here and have a chat about your reactions to everything. You could have stayed at home tonight. You really could have. And spared me the fucking trouble of listening to you breathe. Here's the deal. Whenever I'm done talking, it's fucking funny. That's how that works from now on. And I'm not cutting this part out of the show. I received a lovely gift tonight uh, uh, here in Bellingham uh, from a man named Dan, who's given it. And it's a bottle of vodka called Light Up a Room. And uh, it has an LED um, uh, uh, thingy on it. Does it have a different setting? Oh, so if I press the other one? Yeah, press the bottom button. The bottom button. Uh, you realize who you're talking to here. Uh, the smartest man. Medea. Really? Did I just hear a smartest man comment? I can, you know what? This show's voluntary. I can shut it down whenever I like. This isn't like fucking jury duty. You're not required. And you're like, I paid $20. Yeah, you've had $20 worth. I'll tell you when the fucking show's over. I'm not the... First of all, I have one hand to set a scene here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm lying in a pool of my own sick wearing devil horns. I'm injured Mephistopheles, as someone described me tonight. I've got but one hand, and I'm, I'm struggling frantically for my tiny nicotine, my tiny THC-stained fingers to gain purchase. <laughs> on the side of a black bottle that I can barely see, and a woman in the front row in a fit of Orange 45 cruelty, as if she was Betsy DeVos taking away a Title IX program from a grade school, when, oh, you're supposed to be the smartest man and you can't operate the vodka bottle. I got the fucking neighbor from Bewitched on my ass tonight. Abner, come over here, he can't even open the bottle. This was going to be a special treat for everyone, but now there's nothing but invective and vitriol. This is going to be a Halloween spectacular. 
In any case, it says here, uh, will I be pimping, I think is that one. He put in a bunch of whose line quotes. There was one um, uh, uh, smartest man quote, uh, the show that's often derided here in Bellingham during the show. Uh, but, uh, uh, oh, I see here. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. I've never said that in my life. I'm like Kwanzaa first. Uh, that one, oh, I see. If you keep pressing it, it changes into different things. Yeah. Yeah. I will. I welcome to Greg's Proops cast. Oh, I see. It says welcome to Greg Proops cast. See? Chad, turn the lights off for a second. Yeah. Chad, turn the light. Chad. Your cadaverous pallor betrays an aura of foreboding. Could it be you sense a disquieting metamorphosis? Uh, yeah, that's exciting. I would do the whole show like that, but I can't uh, see. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. It was a lovely gift. Um... No, no, don't anyone get up. <laughs> Just make fun of me for not being able to operate machinery. It feels like home. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was wondering here in Bellingham, uh, I know that um, once I was at the um, Bellwether Inn, is it? There's a place here right on the water. Uh, to set the scene for you, um, Bellingham is a series of white principalities that were once warring in the 19th century. Fairhaven was its own town and had its own fortress and its own small army. And then it was absorbed into Bellingham during the white people wars, uh, uh, also, also known as the single-source uh, origin chai latte wars of the... Uh, of the late 2000s. And what happened was uh, they decided to boutique the place. And uh, so they didn't knock down any old buildings, but they built condos that were vaguely in the style of the old buildings. And then they took the old buildings and put in ice cream because white people cannot exist without ice cream. Coffee and ice cream and coffee and ice cream and coffee and mostly coffee and ice cream. And a bunch of pizza parlors uh, that have white people flavors like white people. And <laughs> there's a couple of burger places. There's, of course, overpriced health food stores that sell CBD lotion and shit that they keep locked up, which is hilarious. CBD lotion is rendered from hemp, so it, there's supposedly some remnant of THC in it, giving it marijuana medical scoopus. And... Um, <laughs> You can go to a medical, uh, a recreational marijuana shop here, simply show your identification and buy a grand old amount of uh, inconceivably potent uh, uh, marijuana products and then get back in your truck and drive all the way to Bellingham. Uh, but you have to ask for them to unlock the CBD lotion in the health food store here because I don't know how many people are out there guzzling that stuff down like wool-eyed every night, but it... I don't know how much it takes to get you high, but it's a lot. I've rubbed it all over my body and not gotten high. <laughs> a team of people worked ceaselessly over the, over the entire night until the frosty dawn broke. Well, it's never frosty here. It's more like a drizzling, disappointing seagull dawn. There's always a wet seagull to let you know morning is broken here in Bellingham. <laughs> kind of a damp. And then, because <coughs> they're often asthmatic. And, uh, and then, <laughs> I 
They've kept a series of toy trains that run all around the town. I was blocked in my travels over here tonight for uh, quite some time by a train, and uh, the cab driver went, that's all right, I'll take the waiting time off. I'm like, I can let a train pass. I'm just pretending we live in the cowboy days and stuff. (laughs) And it was an Amtrak train, so there was two engines on either end facing opposite directions, which I think sums up transit in America in a nutshell. (laughs) Well, it's because when it reaches its destination, it can go back. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I read your white people book. (laughs) So it's very lovely up here. There's a sea all around and uh, and seagulls and uh, all manner of vermin. Like uh, there's birds and uh, trees and shit. And... uh, (laughs) Uh, and uh, bookstores and um, um, hiking paths. Um, white people's fitness is a really important issue. And um, it's so important that white people stay fit. So often you'll find that the entire population of the area of Fairhaven is dressed in sport clothing. Um, because not one moment of the day must pass where you're not thinking about maybe running a little bit. Or at least wearing the clothes that you would run in if you were going to run. And then go to a power yoga place, wear a baseball hat, uh, and then uh, order some coffee, then go get some ice cream, then push your stroll around and knock me off the fucking sidewalk while I'm trying to <laughs> smoke a hash joint. And uh, there's, uh, there's like a hiking paths. There's a hiking path that goes from Fairhaven into Belvi- uh, Belling- Bellingham. And uh, uh, that's spooky. Um, I I passed a woman wearing all turquoise and she didn't seem to know she was. Uh, So that was kind of scary. I'm like, you're all, you're wearing all turquoise. Do you know that? You're in public and shit. And she's like, fuck off. You know, like I'm rich. And uh, I was like, oh, right. I forgot. And uh, so there's those moments in Bellingham and the window whip up and you'll hear the train and the seagull and then the, the branches are banging against the window of my hotel. And, and, I could barely get out, and I, it was cold. It was so cold that Morgan Freeman narrated my walk over here. <laughs> but it was sunny today, mostly, so uh, I went for, uh, uh, over to Kane's Drive, uh, Kane's Burger Place, which is a really uh, cute little 50s burger place. And uh, they've got pictures of all these other burger places on the wall inside. And um, to remind you that there were better burgers than theirs, uh, served at a dazzling variety of locations over the last 75 years. And um, I ordered the disappointment platter. And uh, it came with futile fries. And uh, no, it was fine. It's a, it's a fun place to go. Um, Although I, when they make you iced tea and it's in a mix, I'm always like, you know what? Iced tea is not like this giant recipe that has to be cracked open. You know, I'm not asking you to make me like an 18 flavored curry or something like that. Or like, I'm not asking you to make me deep fried sea bass with a tamarind sauce. I'm asking you to make tea by making tea and then putting ice in it. That's really the whole fucking show there. And you could make sun tea, but we're in Washington state. So... Sun tea, for those of you listening outside of the Sun Belt, is when you take an enormous jar. Uh, they can be bought at places called like uh, 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 Kroger's, 
and a Jitney Jungle, places like that. Uh, it's a pretty rednecky item. It's a great big jar, but it's big. It's not a, 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 you said it was a great big jar. Yeah, but it's big. And uh, as opposed to the great big jars that are small, there's ambivalent great big jars. Let's be honest. Uh, it's, it's, it's not even a salad. Yeah, it's like that big, right? Like a restaurant size. And uh, you take the, uh, you fill it with water from the tap. Or if you want to be hardcore, from the hose. Let's do it. And um, <laughs> nothing tastes like hose water, am I right? And it's good. You turn into a dog when you drink hose water. Because you take the first sip and you're like, ooh, hose water. And then you're like, oh, good. And then you, you're like a collie. So the, the, uh, you fill it up with water, and then you take uh, several tea bags. I would use the cheapest grade, Red Rose, uh, PG Tips, Lipton, Lipton Orange Pico, you know, that one that comes in the, uh, the red and yellow box. Don't waste your money on using fucking Twinnings Irish breakfast tea or fucking, you know, Sleepy Valley fucking whatever, the one with the little fruitsy drawing on it that Frodo fucking brewed or whatever. <laughs> Put some cheap-ass caffeine tea in there, and you hang the, uh, the tabs over the edge, and that way when you screw the uh, top back on, the tabs are hanging, so the bags are in the water. Then you put it out in the sun all day. Now, you realize the fallacy of this here in um, Bellingham, because the sun's out for up to six, seven minutes at a time here. Uh, then it dodges back behind the cloud cover because it's afraid to shine. And uh, I've been here on sunny days. I wouldn't say today was a sunny day, but it was a nice day. Uh, of course, uh, with climate change that isn't actually happening, as you know, according to our new uh, Environmental Protection Agency, um, uh, or as it's now known, the Environmental Destruction Agency, is uh, there's no such thing as global warming, so this is perfectly normal. By the way, Los Angeles is 100 degrees this week. Uh, yeah, hooray. Uh, some, some, summertime, 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 some, 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 from November to June. Uh, and like that. So you leave, you leave the tea out, and then at the end of the day, you collect it. Now, this works if you live in, like, say, uh, Prescott or Phoenix, Arizona, right? Or Las Vegas, Nevada. And then uh, you, uh, you go outside and you shake the uh, scorpions off of it. And, uh, and you bring it inside. And then what you've done as the day progresses is you've made a lot of ice. You, you keep rotating the trays and putting them in a yellow bowl. Um, possibly one that had margarine in it. And... Uh, then you, uh, margarine is um, a butter substitute that people use. Uh, sometimes the lower classes will use it. You know, people who don't get up in the morning and put on a turquoise baseball hat and run down a path, those people. You know, the ones who are bringing all the food and they put it on the train and then mm, mm, it stops here and then the food comes off the train and then you eat it and shit, those people. So sometimes they'll make a sun tea. And, of course, it's a sincere working-class sun tea, full of proletariat pride. And, uh, no, it's, it's really good. And then if you're, uh, if you're my family, you would put, like, I don't know, half a box of CNH sugar in it and a fuckload of, I believe the phrase is a fuckton of lemons and serve it in giant plastic glasses that are mismatched that have come from various um, promotional uh, fast food places. <laughs> So there's the, the Yoda glass from, you know, like uh, Herfies or whatever. I don't even know if you have Herfies here. And then, uh, you know, the, uh, the Cane's uh, Disappointment uh, Tumbler and, uh, 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 you know, the Taco Bell. Uh, when I was little, they were giving out glass glasses at Taco Bell of all of the Warner Brothers character. And I remember I had a Tasmanian Devil glass glass. 
And I broke my friend's um, fucking Tasmanian devil glass glass. And it fell out the window. I know. Tragedy. A lot of you are thinking, a lot of shit's gone down this week, Greg. But this is as sad as it's going to (laughs) get. Really? You broke it? Yeah. It fell out the fucking window. Um, There were tears all around that day, I can tell you. Um, And that's how you serve it. Um, Recently, I've been in uh, several countries, um, particularly England and Scotland. And uh, I've said to everybody in Scotland on this trip, and they've, God, they've learned, and they've grown, and they've grown, and they've grown. 20 years ago, if you said, do you have iced tea? They're going, no, we don't don't have that. (laughs) And you'd let it go, because it was 20 years ago. Now I'll go, do you have iced tea? And they'll go, sometimes, I, we do. And then it'll come with, like, too much lemon in it, because that's their idea of it, which is fantastic. And then one little Italian place on the main drag in Edinburgh, George Street, a stripy Italian straw, which was like, (laughs) that's right, let's get it on, right? Uh, But uh, they'll still, it happened to me in about five different places. Do you have iced tea? It's like, I didn't say, I want you to make me a Singapore sling. First, you need to muddle some fruit, and then I need you to coddle an egg. Uh, no, we don't have iced tea. And then I'll go like, do you have tea? And they'll go, yeah. And I'm like, do you have ice? No. I'm like, okay, here it comes. <laughs> like an avalanche, right? And then they'll, you know, and what's cute is uh, every time I got them to do it, they'd come over to the table with like a pot of tea and a glass full of ice and be like, uh-huh. <laughs> Fucking crack that, eh? Yeah, this is a breakthrough, Sherlock. You fucking made it. I'm getting people around the world to make iced tea. Uh, In Canada, of course, in Canada, anytime you order iced tea, it's sweetened. There's really no way around it. it, Sometimes they'll say, would you like like it unsweetened? And you'll be like, yeah, I'd love it unsweetened. But most of the time, they just give it to you, uh, sweetened, because um, there's a sugar deficit in Canada that makes them eat donuts like... We, like, like it's the 40s or something. I don't. Uh, what, is this World War I and we're all shipping out to Verdun or something? Why am I getting a donut every moment of my life in Canada? Like, in this country, you know, especially like in a town like Bellingham, it'll be like, oh, let's have a croissant or whatever. <laughs> have you tried the cronut? <laughs> let's go down to the little boutique bakery and tie our dog up outside. <laughs> You sit right there, Cobain. We'll be out soon. (laughs) But in Canada, I've played more hockey rinks than I care to mention. The most memorable one, since Ryan's not here, but Ryan was up. (laughs) But Ryan was at this gig. A couple years ago, with the Who's Live group, we played a place called Sarnia, Ontario. And it looked like any old place in Ontario, you know. Ontario has its moments. Uh, there's Toronto. Uh, and then uh, there's the Niagara Falls, which, as I've mentioned on the show before, is um, the worst tourist attraction in the world if you wear glasses. <laughs> there's nothing but moisture in the air for miles. So walking to it from the hotel, which was about a mile, I, I, by the time I got there, I, 
like, how'd you like Niagara Falls? I, I don't know. <laughs> Reminded me of Halloween when I was 11. <laughs> so, we were in Narnia, and um, <laughs> we had climbed through this wardrobe, and we were in a sleigh. And the snow witch was there, and we were drinking this delightful liquid that warmed you from the bottom up. And uh, all of a sudden, we wanted to write Christian poetry. No, Sarnia. Sarnia, sorry. So we're in Sarnia, and it hadn't snowed uh, in a day or two, but they had pushed the snow around as they do in Canada, because pushing snow around is the white people's sport of Canada. So... They pushed the snow into a big pile where it had taken on a kind of a, 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 a brown patina. And um, we were making snowballs and throwing them at one another until someone came out and went, oh, you really oughtn't touch that. And we were like, why? And they're like, that's the ice from the rink. All the spit and sweat and sputum and blood and mayhem of a rink had been scraped off by the Zamboni and dumped in the car park where we were playing with it like children. <laughs> And so we repaired inside uh, and had a few drinkies, and then dinner was served. But this was a hockey rink, so the rink was still active, and they had put um, wood over it and put all the seats on it. So everyone was sitting on basically a freezer unit. Our keyboard player, Bob Dracatch, was wearing a, 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 a coat, a, a, a turtleneck sweater, and full gloves, and a scarf, a muffler, and a hat on stage, because he was freezing to death over the ice. Um, I loved it. I didn't sweat once during the show. And, um... <sighs> Making a bl- black mark next to a box here. Bellingham. So dinner is served, and it was Italian food, and uh, may we, we were in uh, Toronto, and, uh, uh, or Sarnia, Narnia, and uh, uh, we were ushered into um, the dressing room of the local club, and I don't know if you've ever been in a men's hockey dressing room before, but it's a rich aroma. One that's almost undescribable, really, or indescribable if you wish to use the right prefix. I don't. It's undescribable, like that song from the 80s. You're undescribable. Um, it smelled like um, men relieving themselves of what was wrong with their lives. And. Dinner was served, and I remember we all looked at each other across the table and were like, I'm not as hungry as I might be. (laughs) Was there a punchline to that story, Greg? Your expectations are a little higher than I thought. (laughs) The show's going to start, and when it does, it's going to start with a vengeance. I also thought I saw a UFO once when I was delivering newspapers as a a teenager in San Carlos. I delivered the San Francisco Chronicle. My route manager was named Sil Stagnero, and the door closed ominously on the last syllable of his name. (laughs) Sil, are you here tonight? Because if he's alive still, this is what he'd be saying. Troops, get up! You're late! (laughs) 
he would bang on the door when I overslept and my father would answer it. And then he'd go, Greg, you overslept. And I'd be like, what? And he'd be like, your route manager's here, your papers are here, you have to deliver them. And I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> it was the mid-70s, so we delivered newspapers to doors. And then at the end of the month, collected in person by knocking on the door at the end of the month and going, I'm here to collect for the Chronicle, which was $3.25 a month. And people would give you 75 cents and be like, cheers. Yeah. The ignominy of teenagehood. Because you couldn't go like, oh, oh. Now I can buy that green burrito I've had my eye on. You had to say thank you. I was out um, on my route. And we got up early, like 4.35 in the morning. (laughs) Mr. Stagnero? What is it, Greg? I need another bag of rubber pans. You've already had two this month, Greg. By the way, they charged the newspaper boys for the rubber bands. They came in a giant plastic bag. You had a million rubber bands, and then you put them around your papers and whatnot. And they ch- on, the, on your bill every month, it said like $5 or whatever for the rubber bands. This is in the 70s. And now, I don't, I've never been to a rubber band factory, although I love the spinners. Um, <laughs> hammer down my walking cane and hammer down my hat, right? <laughs> hey, y'all, prepare yourself for the rubber band. Man, you're bound to lose control when the rubber band starts to jam. <laughs> Unbelievably good. I remember the songs that were popular. This will give you an idea of what year it was. You won't remember any of these songs. Um, oh, yeah, you'll remember this one. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. Stevie Wonder. Don't you worry about a thing. That one. Uh, that was popular. And... Um, what was the other one? Uh, uh, Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy by Bette Midler. Yeah. Wow, right? I'm not gay. And I make no fucking case for it. He was a famous trumpet man down Chicago way. He had a boogie sound that no one else can play. He was the top man at his class. But then his number came up and he was gone with the crowd. He's in the army now. He's blowing reveling. He's the Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy of Company B. Right? And the company jumps underneath the reveling. He's the boogie 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 boogie. It was, that was a hot one. Then, Dan Hicks and the Hot Licks. Oh, I don't think anyone fucking. All right, we got some old hippies in the house, man. And it was Old Timey Baby off Last Train to Hicksville, right? Which is a, a I don't know if that's an obscure one or whatnot. Uh, uh, but uh, he'd go at the beginning of the song, hey, did I tell you? They go, hey, go, hello, girls. And, they, and, the, and the hot licks would go, hi, Dan. And he'd go, uh, hey, did I tell you about this girl in my apartment complex? <laughs> Which I thought was one of the greatest opening lines for a song ever. <laughs> Spoken. Have I told you about this girl in my apartment complex? <laughs> she lives alone, but man, what style. She's a bit old fashioned, but that's all right with me. The cameo she wears upon her bosom puts me in ecstasy, ecstasy, right? It was a really cornball, uh, fantastically 30s as all of Dan Hicks, uh, not cornball, it was an homage. Uh, 
uh, and there were so many uh, groovy. And then there was a guy who, uh, on Sunday morning named Scott Beach, uh, uh, who would play a Foggy Mountain Breakdown by Flat and Scruggs. I don't know if you know that one. I, I can't reproduce that one because it's banjos. <laughs> and I said two things to my mother before she died. One was, I will never imitate a banjo on stage, mother. <laughs> and the other is, never ever touch my CD player again. <laughs> Parents. So I'm delivering papers one morning, right? I'm walking around, and uh, one of the jams. Oh, I know what the other one was. Uh, 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 which which fucking one was it? I think it was uh, Operator. Well, can you help me make this call? You see the number on the matchbook is old and fading, right? Um, Something in my eyes, you know it happens every time. Uh, Jim Croce, right? Or Croce. And uh, I'm walking around delivering the papers, and I thought I saw a Bigfoot, right? Now I'm in San Carlos, California. (laughs) Okay, I was young. I was impressionable. I was trying to emulate the older boys until I got caught. Um... And, uh, no, there was a, I thought I saw a Bigfoot. Then I realized it was simply some trees blowing in the San Carlos breeze. And then one morning, because at the top of the apex of the hill that I lived on, you could see the entirety of the flats of, uh, uh, you know, San Carlos is next to Redwood City. It's, there's a salt marsh and whatnot. And I know, right? A salt marsh, yeah. And a scarecrow that lives there. <laughs> got to get these papers delivered. <laughs> right? Running through this salt marsh. Oh, my God, there's iodine in my eyes. Oh, my, my wound's been cured. So, because that's what salt marsh is. Um, and uh, I could have sworn I saw a, a dazzling array of um, oblong lights. Now, mind you, at this period of time in the early 70s, um, UFOs were very popular. And by that I mean people believed them for that brief period of time. It goes in cycles. You may have noticed, and I don't remember who said this the other day. God damn it. Was it Joe Klosik or Steve Marmel? I think it was Joe Klosik who said, do you notice since we've had um, smartphones that the incidences of UFOs have gone down, but the incidences of police violence have gone up? And... Uh, it was very uh, groovy to pretend in the early 70s. There would always be two people from the South on television being interviewed by David Frost about how they'd been abducted by an alien craft and, and probed in their fundament. And <laughs> this happened a lot, so much that Whitley Stryber built a career on it um, uh, of, of specious books about being abducted by aliens and whatnot. Uh, and uh, then uh, that kind of went away, and then it sort of came back. I really liked Bigfoot more than aliens. I wasn't ready to deal with an alien. Bigfoot, I was ready to fucking deal with. I thought, if Bigfoot and I met, I could be like, these are Fritos. Put down your mountain ways. There's, a, there's Bigfoot up here. Snoqualmie. One of them just left this fucking room. (laughs) Do you notice when the door closes, there's always 
the scintilla of a creature that's part man, part something we don't know. And that's when it goes thump. And you're like, no one actually got up and opened that door. Could it be years of abuse by humans that led the Bigfoot to take their revenge that night at Greg Troop's podcast in Bellingham? <laughs> no. Simply rancor on the parts of the Bigfoot for being maligned on his show that way. Um, I uh, remember having a book that said... Alcohol is served in this theater. I don't know if you could hear that from where you're sitting out in Proopcast land, but um, uh, it sounded like uh, several cartons of wine hit the floor at once. (laughs) By the way, I asked for a bottle of water before the show began, and I was given this fucking contraption. (laughs) It says on it, uh, what it looks like is, to describe it to anyone who's living out there in Proopcast land, uh, a milk carton, and it says boxed water with a black drop of water. (laughs) Nothing says safety like a black drop of water. (laughs) Bellingham. Boxed water is better. And it says, our proprietary multi-step purification and quality. Oh my God, I just killed myself halfway through the sentence. (laughs) I stopped listening before I even finished the sentence. And then there's rules on two sides. And then this side says in cursive, like Hello Kitty. Hello. Oh, come on. Don't try to cute me up with a white carton of milk that you put water in. The first thing I was disappointed by was when I drank it, there was no chocolate milk in it. Because a box like this deserves chocolate milk. And I mean the kind of chocolate milk that you got to shake it up. Because if you wait till the end and then you drink that last hit, you're like, oh, fuck, that's like a lot of chocolate. Or a lot of lactose colored uh, biflavonoids. Or whatever they're called. And then this is my favorite part. Because white people are so proud that they thought of the idea of putting water in a milk carton. 1% for the planet. We work with 1% for the planet. To donate at least 1% of annual revenue. Um, that's not much. <laughs> I'm not like a big mathematician. And I've never been the head of the Federal Reserve Bank like Janet Yellen. But I can tell you that there's 100 elements to a percent and that this is but one of them. If you belong to a church or a charity, sometimes you tithe 10%. If you have a manager, it's 10%. Sometimes 15%. If you have an agent, decidedly 10%. 1% of the revenue? Um, fuck you, box people. (laughs) To reforestation... Well, don't make paper boxes. (laughs) Just hand me a small redwood burl that's been burnished. Put some liquid inside it. I don't care what it is. Hopefully ginger ale. And I'll just drink it like... It doesn't make a noise. So I don't have a bottle of water. I'm forced to fillet a milk carton like this. Um, but that's what they have here. Uh, they don't have bottles. And I, I'm cert- it says boxed water is better. And uh, wow, that's an important distinction. 
I'm certain plastic bottles are uh, a terrible threat, much like wax candles. And now the show begins. Uh, We're going to be in Green Bay, Wisconsin. That's right, you heard me, Green Bay, Wisconsin, where when we performed there last year, I can't remember which member of our company ordered it. Someone ordered a Bloody Mary at the bar afterward at at the hotel we were staying at, and it came with a pickle, a piece of cheese, a radish, a a small mammal, a sausage, a sausage, Wisconsin, like on a skewer, like on a saber stuck into into the Bloody Mary, was every element of every food group ever since the beginning of mankind. It was paleo, there was everything, it was... Was well, and I said, um, "Is there? Uh, does anyone have a favorite book here in Green Bay?" And someone went, "Winning by Vince Lombardi." <laughs> and I was like, "Surely we've moved on from that." But the answer was Snay. <laughs> so we look forward to being there. That's on November second. November third, we'll be in Joliet, Illinois. Uh, November fourth, where they have. Uh, things. Then on the fourth of uh, November, we'll be in. And this is my favorite date, Normal. Normal, Illinois. What if you go there and people go like, how, how, Who'd like some peanut butter covered cheese? Is that, is that what we do here? It's normal. <laughs> There's a raccoon. He's made of licorice. <laughs> then we're in South Bend, Indiana, which is home to uh, Notre Dame, is it? Or is that Terra Hut? No one knows here. You guys have checked out so fucking hard. The 8th of November will be in uh, Denver at the Comedy Works. Uh, the podcast will be on the 8th. We'll be there through the 11th. Hopefully we'll have books as well. The smartest book in the world in paperback. Uh, it's a much cheaper, livelier version of the hardback one. Uh, it's sassier. Uh, then on the 13th of November, we'll be at the Bar Lubitsch in West Hollywood. That's free. Think of the money you could have saved. You could have flown to Hollywood in a month's time. Uh, and gone to West Hollywood at Bar Lubitsch. Uh, we'll be there. It's free for the sexy. Uh, the 25th, we'll be at the Bell House in Brooklyn. And then uh, on the 6th and 7th of December, we'll be at the Barclay Center uh, in uh, Brooklyn again uh, with the Nightmare Before Christmas Live with the Live Symphony Orchestra, uh, uh, directed by John Masseri and uh, starring Danny Elfman and Catherine O'Hare and Ken Page as Oogie Boogie. Uh, yeah, it's fucking fun. It's the funnest thing I ever get to do in my life. I can hear it in my head all the time. Um, uh, the other singers sometimes would chat amongst themselves, and I watched every moment of the show, including all of the overture and the entre-acts, um, because you never really get to see a 100-piece orchestra, that, and you're in it um, where there's bells ringing and chimes and stuff like that, because you go, this is Halloween, this is Halloween, bong, bong, like that, and you're like, I fucking lose my mind every time. <laughs> really good pumpkin scream in the dead of night um it's so much fun uh so if you're in new york come and join us there the sixth and seventh at the barclay center it's where the nets play it's where all the famous sports teams play in brooklyn (laughs) i bet the luxury boxes are really commodious 
Then uh, the 28th and 29th uh, and 30th and 31st will be at the Punchline Comedy Club in San Francisco, my home club. Uh, the 28th is the podcast. Uh, of course, New Year's Eve there is a tradition. Uh, with us there. Hopefully, my arm will be out of this GD sling by then. Uh, supposedly, we're supposed to be in Paris on December 1st. Um, if we are, it'll be at Shakespeare and Company, and I don't think it'll be open to the public. I think it'll be a, a Paris porpoise. We'll be upstairs at Shakespeare and Company drinking uh, in one of those fabulous rooms with a view of the Seine. Um, I'm not sure if that one's materializing, so stay tuned to your fucking proof cast machines. And then, um, like that. The next year, oh golly, we'll be all over. We'll be in. Uh, um, Tacoma, and as my friend Dr. Gonzo would say, uh, she don't lie, she don't lie, she don't lie, Spokane. And um, <laughs> we'll be in Tacoma and Spokane next year in March, and uh, we'll be in Seattle at the Crocodile, and uh, uh, Portland um, at the Helium Comedy Club, uh, doing podcasts in both places and jazz like that. Uh, jumping right in, let's get to the good news first. There's been so much shit news this week. Who wants to fucking deal with every goddamn moment of his eventual breakdown? I'm so tired of his petulant tweets that distract from everything that's really going on and his um, uh, absolute uh, disregard for any kind of uh, uh, stewardship for the, the office that he's holding. He's been golfing one out of four days uh, since he's become uh, 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 the titular leader of the fake fucking, um, you know, a coup that we had that I'm surprised Venezuela didn't invade us to install a fucking democracy. <laughs> He's basically retired. He's a retired person who is on a Samsung Galaxy, uh, hate tweeting all the time, who's in terrible legal trouble, and that's what's going on right now. And so there's all these threats and cajoling. and stuff. Meanwhile, of course, the government is being dismantled, and there's awful evil being done in his name. Having said that, remember, we're in the majority, and this too shall pass, but only if everyone gets off their fucking turquoise-clad white gym clothes ass and makes some goddamn phone calls and organizes some shit. Use your white privilege. Use it. Use it. Other people don't have it. Use it. If you have a spare moment, you must. Uh, the Jackson Public School Board of Trustees, Jackson, Mississippi, is reviewing the names of schools named in honor of Confederate figures. A predominantly black public school in Mississippi named after Confederate president, I can't remember his name, will be stripped of that moniker next year and replaced with that of another president whose character students, parents, and teachers have said is more fitting, Barack Obama. <laughs> Jeff, uh, let's see here. Uh, a demographic breakdown of the Davis Magnet's enrollment for 2017 shows 98% of the school students are black. Overall, JPS enrollment is 97% black. Jefferson said the school community wanted to rename the campus to reflect a person who fully represented ideals and public stances consistent with what we want our children to believe about themselves. I wholeheartedly agree with the name, said Board President Camille Sims. The announcement brought a jovial mood to the room. Attendees were aware of the possibility that Tuesday's board meeting could be the last in the district for a long time. The State Board of Education requested in September that Governor Phil Bryant declare JPS in a state of emergency. That would trigger a state takeover. Uh, Governor Bryant is um, an adamant misogynist who believes that... Um, abortion is a sin and a crime, and that women are murderers. Of course, as you know, um, getting an abortion, even though it's uh, legal and safer than a colonoscopy, and is the law of the land, is something that makes women murderers, whereas shooting up an entire concert is absolutely um, just simply what um, freedom feels like. Remember that. Um, that's what white people believe in this country and what Republicans believe. 
And it's a very destructive belief, in my estimation. Um, it was the possibility of being able to meet again at the time. Let's see here. Um, the, the name change would be able to take place for the 2018-2019 school year. Uh, there are still logistics to work out. Huh? We have to remove the other thing and put up the other thing? In any case, um, it's going to be Barack Obama uh, school, and that is so awesome. Um, Dizzy Gillespie would have been 100 uh, two years ago. I don't know if you know who Dizzy Gillespie is. If you don't, let me hip you to the jive. Um, uh, he was born in poverty uh, in a very large family and um, played uh, the trumpet and had a, a distinctive style in so much as um, he had enormously puffy cheeks and adopted a very hipster, groovy, a uh, little bit of facial hair, maybe a beret, definitely marijuana involved. He was in bands with uh, Cuban band leaders, of course, famously with Charlie Parker, and um, reinvented jazz as bebop after World War II. Uh, spin that first jam there, super fucking loud, if you will, Chad, uh, just because uh, I want to celebrate... Uh, in this week of uh, black men and black women um, being disrespected by the highest office in the land, I thought it might be nice to... Chad. <laughs> Dizzy... Really, really loud. <laughs> loud. Right? I never got to see him. I was doing a gig in San Francisco, and my wife went and saw him. And uh, she said it was fantastic. And when they, they had an intermission, and she said when they came back from the intermission, Dizzy was like, hey. And this, the second half got groovy. He could also scout like a very demon. Sadly, this isn't Dizzy right here. Uh, but uh, he's immortal beyond all measure. I also want to get into his Cuban bag. Spin the next one real hard. This one's called uh, Guachua. Um, his influence on American music can't be un uh, uh, underestimated. He is uh, the jovial uh, trumpet player. Right? <laughs> he, he collaborated with... Right? Dizzy Gillespie's the living end. Do yourself a favor and uh, spend a night, um, smoke a little marijuana, and spend some Dizzy Gillespie. You'll, you'll come to think really loud. Really, really loud. How sexy is that? Also, his name's Dizzy. Does that, does that mean nothing to you people? Uh, Mexico City. Uh, Jennifer, by the way, gave me every single item for tonight's show. And uh, Jennifer, in essence, uh, 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 set the agenda for tonight. Uh, the Dizzy Gillespie item was hers because she was reading about it. And uh, she's a devotee of jazz. Of course, I love him, too. Um, and all of the following stories uh, were sent to me by her. Uh, Mexico City. Uh, the Trump administration eyes the border wall. So does an elusive French street artist. You can go on CNN.com uh, and see this. Building a massive dining table across both sides of the U.S.-Mexico border in the small Mexican town of Tecate, artist J.R. 
painted the eyes of the dreamer on top of a bench in a special one-day-only setup. One eye is meticulously placed on either side of the border. People gathered around the table to enjoy the sun and food on both sides. When you go, you'll see it. It's an enormous installation. And there's an eye on either side. And people drinking on all around it. Um, it's absolutely the metaphor and the poetry that we need um, to lift, one, our spirits, and two, to defeat the fascist forces. That, as I pointed out, they have no sense of humor. They do not own pets. They do not speak of pride, uh, uh, with pride about their family members. They are, in fact, inhuman in those regards. They also seem to lack basic human empathy. And so that's what we're up against here. And if you think I'm being overly dramatic about this, and if you think that I'm never letting it go, which many men have reminded me of on the interweb and various configurations and forms, uh, not so much as if I were a woman, but because I'm a man and uh, I'm uh, a libtard and a a screaming, uh, 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 I come from the screaming vortex of uh, gay celebrity and, uh, you know, swirling abortion-filled faggotry (laughs) of West Hollywood, uh, that, uh, uh, and I'm a liberal elite who reads books and shit. Uh, 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 You have to understand that's what we're up against. Um, It's not so much, I feel like it's uh, the forces of sensitivity versus the forces of reversal. They wish to revoke and renounce and redo everything that's happened in the last 150 years. And it cannot be redone and it cannot be revoked. It can be destroyed and it can be chipped away at and it can be uh, uh, fucked with piecemeal and it can be tampered with and... And make our spirits go down, which is the object of chaos and foreign interference. Um, however, um, it's impossible to believe in the end of the day uh, that the natural buoyancy of what had happened in the last eight years isn't going to reclaim itself and has in a thousand different ways. Have you ever woken up with your ass on fire the way you do now? <laughs> well, that answers my question. Uh, people are sitting on benches, da-da-da. Uh, Orange 45 rescinded the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, that would be DACA, uh, program in September. The program was enacted through an executive order by President Barack Obama in 2012. Surprise! Um, this is an administration motivated only by revenge and petty axe grinding. There is no agenda. Uh, I don't... It, it's, it's unusual because I feel like Nothing they do is positive. There's not one moment at all. W, by the way, let's stop uh, reclaiming W and and, uh, rehabilitating his memory. He, next to Trump, was the worst president of all time by a long goddamn mile. Worse than Andrew Johnson, worse than Martin Van Buren, worse than uh, um, James Knox Polk. Yeah, I'm taking you back to the fucking day, baby. I'm taking you back to Missouri Compromise Day. Yeah, I mean, there have been some disastrous, bloody presidents of this bloody country. Uh, as I've said on the show before, there have been racists, there have been psychopaths, there have been drunks, there have been slave owners, just not all at once. Um, but 
W paved the way for this with his signaling to Christians, uh, with his um, anti-gay stance, with uh, the sanctity of marriage, you may remember, and all that, and his endless quest for war and greed. However, uh, there was a modicum or a minimum, and that's the best you can say for him, that they actually had a government with a fully staffed State Department. And with uh, uh, um, uh, people who worked in a bureaucracy, uh, which is what the government is. The government is supposed to be this giant functioning thing, not a piecemeal, half-assed, malfeasant, foreign-contained, foreign-controlled, traitorous, um, self-enriching, terrible violation of every goddamn uh, uh, social moray that we've... This is administration is the car that when you're walking in the crosswalk doesn't stop all the way. And dares you to fucking walk a little further so that it can knock you over. That basic trust we have between one another is what is so scarily um, um, completely broken down by this administration. They have no care for other people. They don't seem to register other people. Normal means white. Make America great means taking it back to the 50s when women uh, had no autonomy over their bodies. Uh, General Kelly said women were sacred once upon a time. Um, No, women don't want to be sacred. They want to be equal. Um, I'm not speaking for women. We all want to be equal. Women want to be equal. Sacricity and and, and what he's talking about is, is some infernal myth uh, that was written by white people, that's been signed off on by white people, this um, uh, unflagging, blind allegiance to anything military, uh, being superior to anything we poor fucking artistic civilians on the ground with our crappy poetry and our shitty fucking water and boxes could think of. <laughs> I won't have it. And uh, the autocracy and the uh, um, absolute militaristic coup Uh, portions of it. Um, I won't be questioned, and you're not to question generals. Um, This is democracy. Let me hip you to something. You work for us. You are public servants. We call the fucking shots on this, baby. And if you don't think that's true, watch what happens. That's all I'm saying. Things swing in big cycles, right? In 1992, and Jennifer urged me to mention this tonight, um, uh, I was in London, and um, Jennifer and I voted absentee. We were living in San Francisco at the time. When I came home, it was election night. And we had had 12 years of fucking Reagan and Herbert Walker. And Bill Clinton was elected that night. And for those of you who are old enough to remember that night, it was like, ding, dong, the witch is dead, witch, old witch, the wicked witch. 12 years of their infernal fucking penurious, terrible hatred of the poor, hatred of queers, ignoring the AIDS crisis, wars in Central America. There was malfeasance and greed. Um, Hundreds of people left during the Reagan administration under a cloud or were indicted or were incarcerated for real. That's not even happening now. They just leave and they take their fucking check and then they go off and uh, teach a seminar at Harvard or whatnot. Yeah, there were real-life consequences. Even during W's administration, and this is no praise of W, Bernie Ebers uh, and the Adelphia family that ran that crap company were all thrown in jail. Uh, And Ken Lay of Enron would have been thrown in jail had he not fucking kicked his clogs before he could have been incarcerated. These fuckers have reached a point where we've reached beyond legality. So they think. And uh, that's why you see these insane um, tweets about 
uh, it's been 200, uh, what is it, 300 and something days since the election, and he's tweeting about Hillary. He tweets things from Fox and Friends. It, he's an older, retired man that you knew who's quite conservative, who golfs a lot, who eats too much ice cream, who's not particularly all there because he has no invested knowledge and no curiosity about anything, no uh, interest in science, mathematics, uh, uh, art, literature, family, dogs. <laughs> Only golf and greed. And built this giant cabinet of billionaires around him, all of whom are uh, incalculably privileged one percenters who really don't have the welfare. When I always talk to you guys about like Facebook or Standard Oil or Boeing or whatever, you have to remember that they have two goals, profit and growth. That's what this administration has, profit and growth. They don't have um, the, uh, the, the, the administration of this country, the furtherance of democracy, the emboldening of our republic, the stanchioning of our standing with foreign countries is none of their concern. They are not concerned with it. So when you see these articles uh, on national public radio or in the New York Times Sunday section that equivocate and go, oh, he's taking a crazy stand. Remember, at all times, yeah. There is a bottom line for fascism, and we have reached it. And if you are entertaining any notion that this isn't fascism, um, I think you must reconsider uh, quite quickly your position in this affair. Um, because even though it doesn't feel like they're going to come for you when you're jogging, um, <laughs> first they came for the Jews, but I didn't say anything. You're an educated crowd. Um, if you text the word resist to 504 09, 504-09, um, it will hip you to uh, your representatives. You can write Senate, House, Governor, and you can write them a letter uh, which will be delivered for you. You can also phone them on the phone and leave a message with one of the nice people who works in their offices. And it's very nice, by the way, guys in the audience, to talk to the people who work in these offices. They're nice people. And they'll go, uh, uh, and what were, uh, uh, why are you calling uh, your senator, your congressperson? And you'll say, in regard to gun control. Yeah. Yes, that's how this works. This democracy is messy. It's like making fucking venison sausages. It smells like shit, and there's weird chunks in it. And then at the end of the day, we get what we want. Um, yeah. Fivecalls.org is another organization that uh, covers a dazzling variety of topics, gun control, the Affordable Care Act, reproductive rights, Americans with disabilities, voter rights. You can also go to senate.gov and house.gov. Also, again, uh, and I know I'm a broken record on this, as my manager would say, using a phrase that no one's used since records were broken. <laughs> I urge all the women in this room to take control. And by that I mean run for office. And by that I mean the college board in your town, the hospital board, uh, the city council, the mayorship, the congress. Oh, I'm not ready. I don't know anything. <laughs> Have you seen who's in congress? Have you seen 
Do, do you think you're as equipped as Devin Nunez? Do you think you're as equipped as Orange 45? Do you think you're as equipped as Mike Pence? Do you think you're as equipped? Yeah. I'm very, very serious as Marco Rubio. Uh, Ted Cruz was, uh, uh, worked on, on um, Scalia's uh, staff and went to school at Harvard. Do you feel that he's intelligent or brings any insight to the table at any point? Do you think that the governors of Louisiana, uh, uh, Mississippi, uh, Wisconsin, Oklahoma, Kansas, North Carolina, do you think that, well, North Carolina changed. They have a Democratic governor now, thank fuck, and so does Louisiana. Um, um, and if you don't think there's any difference between Republicans and Democrats, there is. If it's a nickel's worth of difference, and that nickel's worth means that a woman's life is saved or that a small child isn't deported or shit, then isn't that worth the nickel's worth of difference for you to get off your fucking ass? (laughs) Jennifer sent me these. Trayvon Martin's mother is calling for a boycott of the underwriter and broker of the National Rifle Association's insurance plan. It's called Carry Guard, C-A-R-R-Y, Guard. Um, you can go on The Trace. The Trace is a, a, a Twitter feed and also um, an internet uh, entity. And um, uh, when you go on The Trace, uh, they are um, to-the-minute news about everything that's going on with guns in this country. It's three weeks tonight, as I record this on this Sunday, on halloween uh, on, on the 21st, is it today? Uh, that, um, that, that terrible massacre took place in Las Vegas. Three weeks and it's disappeared from the news. It's disappeared from the news. Um, they want it that way. They wanted Newtown that way. They wanted Columbine that way. They wanted the shootout in Colorado that way. They wanted the guy who shot at the Planned Parenthood in Colorado that way. They wanted the one in Oregon that way. They wanted 3,000 teenagers and children have died since Las Vegas. I'm not fucking kidding this, you guys. It's, uh, this year, I mean, not since Las Vegas. This year, 3,000 children and teenagers have died of guns. Um, it's an epidemic. It needs to be dealt with. Does that mean you have to give your guns back? No. We're not talking about revoking the Second Amendment at all. We're talking about laws that other civilized countries have. I lived in England. I've been to Ireland. You can go to Switzerland. You can go to New Zealand. You can go to Australia. They do not have the handgun deaths that we do because they dealt with it. It only requires an adult measure, a, a, a modicum of intelligence to deal with these things. That, I know I'm wearing a sling and horns on my head. <laughs> and I'm drinking raw vodka with no ice. <laughs> but you know I'm not lying when I tell you this. And there's only one thing these jokers understand, and that's money. When you pull your money from them, when you pull your support from them, when you threaten to do the things they don't want you to do, that's when they respond. If you have, um, if you know of Carry Guard, you could retweet it. You, you, you could do something as simple as that. It, it's important every day to try to make sure that women in this country and children in this country are safe from the men who are shooting them. Um, I wish I didn't have to say that. Yeah, thank you. You can applaud. It's not, it's not like a big, I, I, I heart this item. Uh, because it's so fucking real and serious. But we all know it's true. Um, we all know it's true. And we also know that we're going to get no response at all from the likes of um, Jeff Sessions and Mike Pence and whatnot. Jeff Sessions 
is so excited that he gets to go after people who aren't white that he will do literally anything. You saw his testimony this week in front of the Senate. Um, he doesn't have an answer for anything. They asked him about Russian interference in the elections. Not even particularly the last election, but what are you going to do about Russian hacking of the coming up elections? And he went, well, there's, it's so confusing. The Justice Department doesn't have it. Um, as uh, they would say on MSNBC if I was a congressperson, troubling. <laughs> it's not just troubling. It's something that we have to drub uh, into them. Uh, and therefore, I urge you. Uh, the trace is what it's called. Um, let's see here. This one was very funny. Jennifer sent me this today. You might have seen it on Twitter. Um, Susan Hennessy uh, retweeted it. But it was from a, a woman named Lauren D. Shulman. Lauren D. Shulman is an author, and she wrote an article. And a man named Victor Cass wrote her. And Susan Hennessy retweeted it and wrote, Women informs random dude she is the author of an article he is mansplaining to her is my favorite recurrent Twitter event. <laughs> and he wrote, I have read the article, and the writer said this and that, and I just disagree with it. And <laughs> Ms. Shulman, <laughs> Shulman wrote, I am the writer. I know you're a man out there. I know you're sitting out there. I'm a man too. Yes, I am, and I can't help but love you so. <laughs> I'm a man. Yes, I am, and I can't. But the point is, um, even in my unbelievably enlightened manitude, um, I don't listen as much as I might, and no man does. Why don't women come forward when men harass them? There's no advantage for them. They know they're going to get shut down. They know they're going to get fucking squashed. They know that there's penalties for that. Um, why don't women uh, disagree when they ought to? Um, because they know that you'll get mad. Why don't women um, um, correct you when they know they're right and you're fucking wrong and you've been going on for ages? Because they know that it'll lead to an ugly situation if they don't placate you. Women are in that situation all of the goddamn time. So um, if you feel like you have to explain something to a woman, it really would behoove you to not. <laughs> what would be good is if you encouraged them to run for office and or do something bold with their lives and you had their fucking back with all of your manpower. Your manpower is a powerful thing. No matter what race you are, just because you're a man, you have more power than women, and you need to use it to back women the fuck up and stop worrying about... Yeah. And as I often say on my stand-up show, if you want your dick to be bigger, lose some weight. <laughs> then you'll see the old champ every once in a while. Puerto Rico is an insane mess, and uh, I would thought this government would be undone by it, like W was undone by Katrina, but the media is in a terrible state of equivocation and whataboutism, and um, they're not riding him to the ground for this. Thousands of people are going to die. Um, the island of St. John on the Virgin Islands doesn't have electricity yet, and it's been two months, uh, a month and three weeks, September 8th. They have no electricity. Imagine your life without electricity. It's like not having ice here tonight. 
you need us by the Hispanic. If you go on the New York Times, uh, I'm going to push you toward different things. The Dominica Hur- Hurricane Relief Fund, Unidos by Hispanic Fed- excuse me, Hispanic Federation. The Fund for the Virgin Islands, the Community Foundation of the Virgin Islands, and nonprofits collecting donations to support short-term relief efforts and enhance the well-being of future generations. They don't want clothing yet. They want money still. Go fund me, uh, you're aware of. Um, CharityNavigator.org. If you go on CharityNavigator.org, you're a sharing, caring white person. You want to be careful about how you spend your money. I understand that. We all do. It's not an untoward concern. CharityNavigator.org will rate all of the charities so that you don't give it to one that you think is going to be spent on the board of, uh, you know, that sits on that uh, charity's board, but the money gets directly to the people. And you can give to Mexico, the Virgin Islands, Texas, Florida, uh, and Puerto Rico, all of the places, uh, uh, the Caribbean in general, um, that really, really need some help. Um, The New Zealand Herald, this happened this week. Much of the attention in mulling the outcomes of the election centers around our 40th Prime Minister. Everything about Jacinda Ardern will be scrutinized. As Prime Minister-elect, Ardern becomes face of this country, presents to the world. This is New Zealand. And to my Kiwi friends, I say, sweet ass, mate. Um, She becomes, and this is what I love, this is New Zealand newspaper writing. Listen to this fucking sentence and see if you can get your mind around this as Americans. Yes, a Durham becomes our only, our third female prime minister. But already it seems to matter so very little. Just 20 years since Jenny Shipley broke the gender deadlock, at a time when women appear increasingly marginalized by the imbalance of power, painfully revealed in the hashtag MeToo trend of disclosures. It is somewhat reassuring New Zealand women can assume office with barely an eyebrow raised. Indeed, we once again have women in our leading roles in our top tier of Prime Minister, Governor General, that's a very colonial post that New Zealand enjoys, Governor General is, uh, if, if we had stayed a British um, state like Canada or New Zealand, we would have a governor general of America. And you'd be like, really? And we're like, yeah. <laughs> um, she's black in Canada, by the way. And Chief Justice, reigned over by a female monarch. We have nothing but love uh, for um, uh, Ms. Ardem as Prime Minister of New Zealand and wish her nothing but luck. Um, every other country in the world that's civilized has had a woman leader. And um, we had one, too. And then we realized the Electoral College happened. <laughs> Jennifer wanted me to read these. The show's really going to start. <laughs> um, www.100suits.org. There was an article in the New York Times today in the Sunday paper about a marvelous man who's opened a, a, a business in New York where they take... Um, Uh, vintage suits and they give them to men and women and get them haircuts and whatnot because they're unable to get jobs. These are people of color um, because they go into a job with khaki pants and tennis shoes on and they need a suit, right, to look like the deal. It's called 100suits.org. The mission is the mission of 100 suits is for 100 men to help underprivileged men and women improve their role in society. 
Build dignity and self-esteem, foster self-sufficiency, dispel stereotypes, and promote community involvement in order to build each other up. You can go to the website, which is 100suits.org. You can donate there. It's only in New York. There is another one, however, uh, called dressforsuccess.org. Since starting operations in 97, Dress for Success has expanded to more than 150 cities in 28 countries and has helped nearly 1 million women work toward self-sufficiency. Uh, New Yorker Jessica Leeds and other women step forward. Oh, no. I don't know what that is. Uh, in any case, that one's at dressforsuccess.org. Um, this is to help people um, who don't have our wherewithal and don't have our resources um, get clothes to be able to go to job interviews with and um, reach some measure of self-sufficiency in their life. Um, what the... Um, people like to often call in America pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, which um, I find one of the more horrible. (laughs) Uh, Along with the phrase, if you work hard enough, really? How about if you think hard enough, you'll figure out that that's bullshit. Uh, Let's see here. Um, This has been the worst month in a lot of ways because of the triggering of Harvey Weinstein the head of the Amazon uh, Pictures. Um, uh, uh, an animator from Nickelodeon was fired the other day. Uh, we know for a fact that uh, all these people in Hollywood and Bill O'Reilly received a $32 million payout uh, or, or, or was forced to pay a $32 million payout. You tell me if that's sexual harassment or something worse. And then was given a raise and his contract re-upped. Roger Ailes, of course... Thank God um, has left this fucking realm um, after being a, a, a terrible uh, predator of women, uh, notably um, uh, Andrea Tenteros and Gretchen Carlson, who's come forward this week uh, again very bravely. It's terrible in one way, but it's liberating in another because now we're seeing men actually having to pay for their fucking transgressions and the shit that they pull all the time and the stuff that women have to deal with every goddamn minute. In the Washington Post, this was today, a year after the New Yorker, Jessica Leeds and other women stepped forward with harrowing accounts of being sexually assaulted by a powerful man, another scandal. It's hard to reconcile that Harvey Weinstein could be brought down with this and that President Trump continues to be the Teflon Don, said Leeds, who claimed she was groped 30 years ago. Um, you may remember a year ago, um, uh, more than a dozen women came forward to accuse Orange 45 of groping, assaulting, and harassing them. And he said, they're all lying and they're all going to be sued. Well, that hasn't materialized any more than Melania's press conference or uh, Don Jr. being able to read a book without pictures. <laughs> Eleven women came forward in the 2016 art. I said a dozen. Eleven women. To accuse then-Republican candidate uh, of unwanted touching or kissing Pure fiction and referred to the women as horrible, horrible liars. He's in the uh, highest office in the land now. Um, that's where this needs to go next. Um, Ab-so-fucking-lutely. The steel dossier notwithstanding. Uh, we all know that there's a steel dossier, but as I've discussed before on the show, it's not so matter of the much of his... It's that he can be blackmailed by a foreign entity. Um, uh, I don't mean that that's base, the basic emotion. Um, this is also triggering for all of us that I, I can barely get it out of my fucking mouth. It's triggering for me. I'm assuming it's triggering for um, almost two-thirds of the people in this room. 
to even talk about the sexual harassment, to even talk about the groping, to even talk about what Harvey Weinstein, Bill O'Reilly, uh, uh, Orange 45 have done to women is beyond, beyond. Um, and yet that's where we are right now. But um, there's a, a light on over at the Frankenstein place. Um, <laughs> James Toback was a movie director. Oh. Uh, and a writer. Uh, Roman Polanski. Uh, Roman Polanski was accused by a woman a couple of days ago of, of being with a child. I, I don't even really want to talk about it because it's so vile beyond measure. A 10-year-old. Um, he's 84 and he has another picture coming out. Um, how long do we support men? How long? Or is there going to be a cutoff point where we just fucking don't? Bill Cosby's not in jail, you guys. Harvey Weinstein's not in jail. He went to sex therapy, and today there was a quote that he took it real seriously. Well, you should take it real fucking seriously, because let's be real honest. Orange 45 and Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby should be incarcerated. And that's not a bold statement. That's just the basic modicum of like uh, uh, justice being meted out. Um, and yet they're not. Let's see here. Uh, let's see here. Liz Wheel. Oh, well, that's Bill O'Reilly. We already talked about that. Um, Bill O'Reilly, as we know, is part of the culture of uh, rape culture over at Fox News uh, and all that jazz. Um, Eric Balling had to uh, leave the, uh, the fold this year. Um, they also had a, a giant producer there leave. Fox News is currently under federal investigation. This is from Cher Blue. Oh, Cher Blue, but they're a total left-wing Hillary Clinton kind of site. Yeah. <laughs> Began with a probe into, set, quote, settlements made with women who alleged sexual harassment by uh, Roger Ailes, Fox News boss, and questions about whether Fox had a duty to inform shareholders about the settlement payments, but later grew to include an investigation into potential financial crimes as well. Ailes, a close friend of the Trump family, was publicly accused of sexual misconduct by 10 different women and privately accused of misconduct by 20 more. Um, only a couple of weeks ago, uh, Orange45 tweeted that Bill O'Reilly was a nice guy. Why don't women speak up? You can go to Vox, V-O-X. Study finds that 75% of workplace harassment victims experienced retaliation when they spoke up. Learn women's story. I'm sending you there because I have to. Um, a couple of quick things, and then we're going off into this good night. This week has been a terrible week for racism. As bad as the week in Charlottesville. How do you mean? David LaJohnson is a hero, and he was struck down in Niger with three other uh, commandos in an ill-advised raid that was signed off of um, by the Department of Defense, we presume, the president, and uh, all of the people who are in charge of those matters. Um, they insisted that they were not to be questioned on the mission. Um, they are. As you recall, Benghazi was thousands of hours of hearings, including this day a year ago when Hillary Clinton spoke for 11 hours before the committee and answered every single question while various Republicans sweated and uh, phrased things poorly. Um, Benghazi was a terrible tragedy. There were dozens of terrible tragedies during the W administration. These things happen. They really do. It's not so much that these things happen it's that Orange 45's utter lack of empathy, utter lack of knowledge, his incuriosity, and all of the detriments that he has 
in his wildly lacking character and the traitorous nature of his administration um, that have led us to this awful week where the widow of the slain LaDavid Johnson, Miesha Johnson, and Frederica uh, Wilson, the um, congressperson from the 24th District, and this is her uh, byline, former educator and state legislator, founder and chair of Florida Port Caucus, founder of 5,000 Role Models Project, which is an enormous project she heads, uh, is working with in Florida that um, uh, uh, trains black people to uh, become uh, pillars of the community. She was friends with um, David LaJohnson's family. When she took the call, she was in the car with the widow. You heard what... He, um, Orange 45 said to her. In his world, quarterbacks who take a knee that are black are sons of bitches. In his world, black women like Frederica Wilson, who's a three-term congressperson, are liars. She said, he said she was fabricating the whole story, and he defied her to say it again, which she did, because she wasn't fabricating. She was on speakerphone in the car because she knew the family quite well, because she was a mentor to the family. The widow, you saw her picture, grieving over the coffin with two children and um, pregnant with another. It's tragic beyond all measure. And as much as I thought that North Korea was a low point or that making fun of the disabled reporter was a low point, or making fun of the Khan family, the Gold Star family, was a low point, or deriding John McCain's heroism during the Vietnam War, who I disagree with utterly on many issues, but is undeniably an American hero. And the terrible transgressions he's made against black people, Mexican people, gay people, women, transgender people, the peremptory, terrible tweets that he meets out the awful Muslim bans and transgender uh, bans in the military and whatnot that he thinks are policy because he thinks them. <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible low point when you can't empathize with the widow of a hero who's been on a mission that you and your government called out. The lack of accountability the utter abrogation of responsibility is a dire and awful moment. And I can't really remember anything like it. Um, here's a couple things. Um, Esquire uh, had an article about it. Um, before we begin, and it was by Robert Bateman, who was a veteran of the armed forces, these are the names of the fallen staff sergeants Brian Black, Destin Wright, Jeremiah Johnson, and Sergeant LaDavid Johnson. This much we know. And then he writes this. I didn't write this, but I want to read it to you. Don't let President Trump's response to the situation overshadow their service and their honor. If you go to the Washington Post, you can read about LaDavid Johnson and what he was like as a human being. There is a feature article about him. If you go to GoFundMe.com, Sergeant LaDavid Johnson's scholarship is there to provide for his children so that they might attend university. In the hours after, this is from a, a site called Roll Call, in the hours after Donald Trump said on October 17th that he had contacted nearly every family member that had lost a service member this year, 
every military service member this year. The White House was hustling to learn from the Pentagon the identities. Not only had the president not contacted virtually all of the families of personnel killed this year, the White House did not even have an up-to-date list of those who had been killed. Um, It goes on. Today they sent out emergency uh, letters via uh, Federal Express and whatnot to everyone they hadn't contacted because he's incapable of telling the truth, which is, as I said before, there's no positivity coming out of them. There's never a bill that makes people better. There's never something that increases health care. There's never something that makes children's lives better. There's never something that makes women's lives better. There's never something that makes anyone's lives better. Um, the coal industry's failing. He pretends like he's propping it up. Um, health care is a, a giant issue. He pretends like he's going to make it better, and, it, and, and it's not. Um, therefore, we have to stand against him. Uh, Frederica Wilson um, gave a speech, and um, uh, our four-star general, who's the chief of staff of the White House, um, refuted her and denied her, and let's call it what it is, lied about um, what she said. It's, it's unbelievably um, profound because we're able to discern the difference between the truth and lies. And we're able as intelligent consumers of news and media to see the difference. But you have to understand there's a screaming, whirling noise machine that just runs at top volume. And lies are repeated And lies that are repeated are lies that are absorbed by uh, uh, the world at large and the general public. Um, Let's see here. There was a wish list that the White House came out with this year, and it was uh, obtained by Crooked.com. I know that's a terrible website name to name. You can go to other websites and look it up. And the wish list was everything you thought it would be. It's uh, Title IX grants revoked. It's um, children's obesity programs scorned. It's basically everything that Obama accomplished. And so here's our job. And this is what makes our tomorrow so bright. We know that there's an election coming up in a year's time. And we know that we're able to harass and hector our elected officials until the end of goddamn time. You know as white privileged people in this room and some of the people I'm speaking to and myself included, I don't not include myself as a privileged white person, um, that we could spend more time um, uh, on these issues and making things better and pursuing these things and organizing. It doesn't take much to do a couple clicks on your computer. It doesn't take much to make a few phone calls. And the more you do, the better you'll feel the less you'll feel like this is pinning you down to the ground and that the chaos and malfeasance, malpractice and horrible greed and terror and tyranny and autocracy that's aborning above us um, seems like this eminent threat. You have to understand, we are going to be the heroes. It's not every elected official, it's not, uh, uh, no Republican is going to stand tall. They're going to retire before they have to do that. You've seen it happen a million times. John McCain, God bless him, is having a valedictorian tour uh, on his last few laps around this fucking gray globe. And God bless him for doing it. Um, 
even George W. Bush this week woke up from his rich person stupor and went, this is some fucking bullshit. <laughs> Meanwhile, remember that there are millions of people fighting for you and there's a thousand heroes out there. The mayor of Birmingham is black. The mayor of Jackson is black. You have to understand... Uh, People are taking over everywhere all the time, and we are too. This isn't a cut-and-dried fucking thing where we lay down and fucking die. This is the moment when we, like in the 1930s, face fascism fucking full frontal on and fucking do something about it. You have been the smartest crowd in the world. I have been the smartest man in the world. Thank you very much for coming out tonight. May every page that you turn be a satchel page. May every bell that rings for you be a cool Papa Bell. And if you have to buy bonds, make sure they're Barry Bonds. I wish you nothing but love. Good night.